Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The penultimate weekend of the season in the World Superbike Championship has been a very, very strange one indeed. Welcome to the latest installment of the Full Throttle Podcast from Eurosport. James Whittam and me, Greg Haynes, with you. I'm going to cut straight to the chase here, James. How much of a mess was that on Saturday? Uh, yeah, it was a mess. Lots of problems with the circuit uh, down in Argentina. There's a walkout by the riders. I think about 15 out of uh, 19 initially said they weren't prepared to race because of the high temperatures, low grip on the new asphalt that had only been laid last week. Uh, which was one of the problems and the amount of dust offline making it really slippy if you got off the racing line so they were going to have this walk out there's 15 out of um, 19 of them which meant the race wouldn't be able to be run the organizers said well we think it's fit to race then there was all but six decided then they would race six sat out so we had uh, what do we have 12 or 13 on the grid and, 12 yeah. yeah 12 on the grid and uh, the race went ahead a bit lackluster nobody fell off and then conditions improved temperature wise which meant there was a little bit more predictable grip for for sunday and everybody raced and we got some good racing especially in the super sport class but left a little bit of a bad taste in some people's mouths I know there were some things said by particularly yeah. Eugene Laverty about Jonathan Ray said he was spineless and he should have sat out with the rest of us and he was saying it was dangerous and he wasn't going to ride then he did ride but loads of shenanigans like that I've got to say I, I think it, it shouldn't ever have got to the stage where riders felt that they should be doing that on safety grounds because they're all members of a federation called the FIM uh, Federation of International Motorcyclists and uh, they organise uh, or they sanction the races and they sanction the circuits and to be allowed to run a world championship event circuits have to come up to certain safety standards and, and this one clearly didn't at the beginning mm-hmm. of this year they've had enough time to fix it the FAM should have made them fix it uh, enough time to either run the meeting or not not wait till everybody got there and then decide they hadn't fixed it uh, and and have what happened happen for me FIM issue and it shouldn't ever have come down to the riders hope they can get over it because in the end we've got some really quite exciting racing now last year obviously was the first meeting wasn't it for the San Juan circuit the Vidicom circuit it's obviously been checked it was announced the April of the year before 2017 it was announced race in the October of 18 race again now October of 19 just go let's go right back to the beginning then when there's a new circuit how do they go about setting it up confirming everything's safe obviously just talk us through briefly what the FIM has to do there well they go and inspect it and they had several inspections when the circuit were being built I remember before last year's meeting all through summer everybody was expecting it to be not happening because the circuit wasn't finished it was just about finished for the racing the riders went over said that 
The circuit's brilliantly laid out. Uh, there was some issues with some of the surface breaking up, but if that could be fixed, everybody would love to race there. Uh, we got the racing out of the way last year. The FAM, as far as I'm aware, gave the circuit a list of things that needed tweaking to make the place right. There was some resurfacing needed doing and, and little bits of, uh, of problems with some of the gravel traps, but not much. And they didn't do it, basically, for whether that's um, for financial reasons or... What we are told is that there's not a lot of other action goes on at this circuit. There's not a lot of track days, not a lot of car race meetings, no other bike race meetings. So really, they run about three or four meetings a year, and that's not enough to keep the circuit maintained and to suss out when something is going wrong either the circuits uh, you know surface is breaking up or tarmac has become really slippy or, or brittle and they should have really done a bit more running with this circuit and they'd have found out the problems that we found out on friday a lot earlier and been able to rectify them that said the organizers at the circuit are the nicest friendliest bunch in the world it's in a brilliant part of the world it's spectacular in terms of views and positioning and everybody likes the shape of the circuit. It's a really well-designed circuit with ups and downs and, and off-camber and on-camber and, and twisty bits and straight bits. And it, it's just a really nice track uh, that just needs a little bit of tweaking. And you do feel sorry for the circuit owners because mm. I don't think they've got a ton of money to play with. And uh, it's, this is the, by far their biggest meeting of the year. So they're desperate to have the, the 50 or 60,000 people that turn up, 80,000 last year, pay the money and watch some spectacular racing. And it, you, you've got a feel for all parties. For me, it was late in the day for the for the FAM to decide that the circuit wasn't fit and make them do all the remedial work that to be fair the circuit knew about earlier at the last minute in, in fact we're told that as the teams arrived and started unpacking the flight cases at the circuit on Wednesday and Thursday there were still uh, retarmacking going on and uh, you know steamrollers on the track and that's too late brand new tarmac never ever gives the grip that it does when it's got bedded in and added a little bit of racing on it it's kind of oily at the beginning especially when the conditions are warm which until Sunday every afternoon was really warm we're talking track temperatures about 60 odd degrees centigrade on Friday and Saturday and that's hot and that meant there wasn't a lot of grip on the new tarmac. You host obviously a lot of track days don't you in the UK how do you keep a circuit clean I know that sounds like a stupid question but one of Greg's stupid questions how do you actually keep a circuit clean is it just to have regular activity on the track is that the best way to do it yeah regular activity helps um and regular activity also helps you suss it out when something is going wrong before you would if you'd left the circuit and arrived there when there's nothing been happening there for a month it's just as though everyone turned up though earlier in the week fim dorna uh, circuit organizers whoever and thought oh Tracks, ah, track's a bit of a mess here. We've got oh, problems. oh, we need to put well, some new tarmac down. The, it just seems so ridiculous. Yeah, it was last minute. That's what I'm saying. And they should, it should have been sussed out a lot earlier. One of the problems they've got uh, at Villicum is it's in a fairly barren, it's beautiful, right in the foothills of the Andes, about 2,500, well, 2,200 feet above sea level. But one of its problems is the outline landscape is quite barren and quite dusty. And therefore, the track, when it's not used, gets very dusty. And it'll take three or four days worth of racing action, less if it's a car race, uh, but three or four days of bike racing to clean up the dust. It would have helped if they've had, you know, three or four road sweepers just to go around and sweep the worst of it off and then let the rubber be laid down by the riders on the racing line and where would have gone, but... Could they have then, on, on that issue, could they have not just run a few cars for a few days before the race event, a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever? That would have done a... A hell of a lot of good wouldn't it surely for a start i know there's the temperature thing we'll get to in a minute but in terms of getting that dust off the track 
Why didn't they do it? It doesn't yeah, make any it, sense. It, well, that would have helped. Uh, what I have to say is, uh, in the defence of the circuit, every circuit has issues uh, of a different nature. So, for example, in the old days when uh, Cadwell Park only ever got used on the club layout and we never used the woodland section mm. because it was easy to manage and easy to marshal just on the shorter layout, the club layout, when you went to a national meeting and used the national circuit at Cadwell that used the whole of the woodland circuit joined onto the clubman section... Well, it was always different grip levels on each half because one had been used every weekend for club racing and the other hadn't been used for three months or four months and it was under the trees and it was full of moss. So it took, you know, two days yeah. of riding to get the moss off. And so every circuit has different issues. We've, we've seen big leaf problems at, at places like Cadwell and Alton Park. This is just, these are just British circuits coming up with. Uh, same, they had leaf problems. I remember a few times that, that I went to Hockenheim because that's right in the forest. So... Different circuits have different issues and, um, you know, the more running you can do on them, the more money it'll generate. And it's a little bit unfortunate, the position of the circuit in terms of getting things to happen at the circuit because it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere. There's, 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 it's not like the British circuits and a lot of the Spanish circuits where there's every single day there's a corporate event, there's a track day or race meetings every weekend. They don't get any of that. You know, the, the, mm. the track, because of where it is, isn't, and because of the situation in, in Argentina, isn't, used as much and that's a problem for them from the outside because from my point of view obviously i'm not a rider i can't comment on the track as, as you can or the, the professional riders who are on the grid now can but it just seems like no one really has taken any responsibility it seems as though everyone's blaming everyone the fim's blaming the circuit to be fair i haven't really heard anything from anyone from the track itself Dawn haven't officially said anything. Of course, they're the commercial rights holder. The FIM is the governing body. The riders are blaming the FIM. There's riders blaming other riders. It just seems like no one actually wants to take any responsibility to try and get it sorted out. Yeah, nobody wants to take responsibility. But for me, it's quite simple. The FIM have ultimate power to sanction or not sanction a circuit. They knew six months ago, at least, that the circuit may have problems. They had told the circuit they needed some parts of it resurfacing and other odds and sods, but not much. It was just a resurfacing mainly and they told them they had to do it they should have inspected it three or four months ago or at least enough in front so that if they hadn't done the work there was a cut-off point where nobody went trailing out mm. there and came up against the problems we did on Thursday and Friday so for me the ultimate responsibility lies with the FIM so what do you think they should do now to make sure this does not happen again next year because we know FIM representatives have gone out there at least three times since the last racing last year what do they do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Yeah, they, 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 they firm with the circuit. They say, you've got to do this. We know we had these problems last year. We want to come, but if you want us there, you have to come up to these standards. If you haven't done it by X day, we're not coming. That's it, simple. So, because they were saying this weekend, weren't they, that they've told the circuit to do X, Y and Z, but they haven't done it. So they left it too late to say that, maybe. Well, they left it too late to really stop it because it had sold a lot of pre... Everybody's uh, bikes and equipment and, and staff had, uh, was on the way there. There were tickets booked, there were money spent, and there were people booked in who'd bought tickets. You know, you, what we've not mentioned is the poor old punters yeah. who want to see a day's racing and have paid their harder money out of the backside pocket to, to, to do that. Once you've got down that road, it's difficult to stop. Before that, it's quite easy to cancel. I'm just glad that Leandro Mercado managed to come through and get eighth place this afternoon. Great ride from him, wasn't it? And it was nice to see the crowd cheering on Leandro yeah, Mercado yeah, and jumping up and down with joy. Having something to cheer yeah. about. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it, eventually the meeting had a, a, a fairly nice uh, feel to it. Uh, but 
really had been a little bit mad through, well, for me, a little bit of bad management, really. Right, let's play in a couple of interviews here. Eugene Laverty, first of all, and then Jonathan Ray, who had his right to respond. Eugene Laverty was speaking with Charlie Hiscott on Saturday afternoon. Jonathan Ray with Charlie Hiscott on Sunday morning. Here they are. Well, there's always going to be a few fools that want to ride, and there was a couple of guys like Bautista and Ronaldo wanted to ride for whatever reason. But we had guys like the world champion Johnny Ray with us, stood there, ready to support us. He didn't want to ride, Alex Lowe's didn't want to ride, Van Denmark, everybody. So there ain't many riders that did want to, and uh, really disappointed in Johnny Ray. You know, he is our representative as the world champion. He needed to have more backbone, and he made a very spineless decision to go and race, and he, he let us down a bag full, and it's something that I'm going to have to speak to him about afterwards. You personally got a bit of flack from Eugene and Leon Camier and the six riders that didn't ride. What was your take on that? Well, opinions are opinions. You know, I had mine. I I was in the cabin and what happened in there, I don't want to talk too much about it and make big statements because everyone has their point of view, whether they've got something to gain or not. But to be honest, I disagreed completely flat out with uh, marching on the pit lane in our... Uh, in our civvies like some kind of army and we're going to show them because it's not the right thing to do you know we're one identity here we're, we're super bike we we have to try you know there's guys this is a country that's really struggling and there's people paying tickets to come and see us at least go to the grid so i said i'm going to get changed and go and uh they don't like that my opinion was different from there but i'm not going to get peer pressured into something i don't want to do nobody held a gun to my head to go and ride well there's a lot of stories about getting fined that's that's nothing to do with it we're racing for a manufacturer's title as well, and uh, I felt the conditions, whilst not ideal and whatever, we could race. And we got a good race underway, you know, 21 laps, and uh, those who started finished, and we got 20 points at the end of the day. Right. It's a very strong words there from Eugene Laverty. I think it yeah. must be said. Uh, yeah. What was your take on all that? My take on all that is the fact that um, the riders have a, I think, called a sort of self-appointed safety commission where the uh, four or five of the top riders. I don't just know how it's organised, to be quite honest, but I know that uh, there's there's four or five members of uh, a thing called the safety commission who uh, and a bunch of riders who um, promote safety for themselves. You mm. know that, that it's not like most sports or professions where there's let's say a union uh, you know a collection of people who have a collective voice uh, this is four or five riders who are world championship world class riders who want to be racing on safe circuits and they have a voice but on this occasion they didn't stick together there was pressure from various sides the team managers and teams and manufacturers wanted to race the the organisers wanted the race to go ahead. The circuit owners did. Lots of people paid a lot of money to to, to come through the gate. And essentially, the the, the pact, if you like, that the mutiny um, fell apart. And uh, everybody has their own reasons. It's a we, we talk about teams, race teams, but this is an individual sport. It always has been, always will be. And everybody has a different standpoint, different things to lose and gain. For example, the two Yamaha riders, Van der Mark and Lowe's, have third in the championship to fight for. They were always going to ride, I think. And if, if one of them hadn't have ridden, the other one would have gone, well, I'll ride because mm. I can gain something here. So I think from Eugene Laverty and the other five riders who didn't race on Saturday, they were fed up with, especially Jonathan Ray, because he, uh, as world champ, is 
you know, carries more weight than anybody else in his opinion. They were disappointed that he went and raced when he said he wasn't going to do. Whether they did, that is the case or not, I don't know. And Jonathan Ray says he never really agreed with the way they were going about it, although he admitted the circuit had safety issues. But that said, he was prepared to race. So there were strong words from Eugene Lavatet and others, to be quite honest, but they all had their own opinion and they were, there's nobody wrong. Hmm. You know, right. Yeah. The riders that didn't race want to race. They felt there was a safety issue, and they were trying to protect themselves and the other riders. So you can't then blame them for doing it. There was no outside, you know, uh, incentive to do it. It was it was purely safety from their point of view, and um, you know, it, it, they fell out because they didn't stand together, and that's the problem. If you have uh, what let's call it a union, but or a bunch of representatives, you've got to stick together. But it should never. I'll, I'll say again, it should never have come down to that. Yeah. The, you know, the the FAM should be looking out for the riders. You yeah. pay a license fee, and it is their job to look after safety. Yeah, I think it's proven again, hasn't it? What was said uh, in Qatar last year, and even more so at Imola this year. You can't put it down to the riders, can you? They shouldn't be in a position whether they have no, to decide I mean, whether they're racing or not. Of course, they've got their opinion, but. Yeah, like you say, should someone else have made a call? The problem is somebody else did make a call, didn't they? They said the track's safe. The FIM told the team bosses, so we're told, the track is safe. They need to race. But the yeah, riders I mean, disagreed with that. Yeah, Some of them the, did. The, the funny thing is that the, it is the riders who, have, who are best placed to call whether a track is safe to ride or not because they're the ones riding these 235 horsepower monsters yeah, yeah. how can an ex-rider that maybe not as like me i know i know what's a safe track when i raced and i, I could have a good go deciding now i still ride fast motorbikes around circuits but I, I you know if if jonathan ray tells me that a portion of circuit anywhere in the world is a little bit dangerous who am I? He's going around corners quicker than me. If he slides off, he's going to go further. Yeah. If he slides off, he's going faster, he's going to go further, he's going to hit a barrier hard if it's in the wrong place. So they have to be listened to, but then you've got to have somebody speaking for them because otherwise, if you leave it just up to the riders, then you get these other incentives sort of chucked in. Everybody's got their own kind of agenda. So it's a difficult situation. And it surprises me that the riders in this day and age don't have a riders association, you know, like a professional football association. They all have it. Everybody has, most professional sports have a governing, not a governing body, because that would be the FAM or the ACU. They have a body, the cells of, of, with a representative that maybe an ex-rider that they can consult with and he can almost do the dirty work like, but they've got to agree with each other. And that's the problem. Now we heard obviously that, a few of the manufacturers slash teams put massive pressure. Kawasaki, we believe, was one of them on their riders to go out and race. Jonathan Ray alluded to it in his interview there that there's a manufacturer's title still up for grabs. Big battle going on there between Ducati and Kawasaki. Obviously, Kawasaki's picked up more points this weekend. Two wins. Ducati's had one. Does it not make the safety commission look a bit silly, though, James, when you've got... There's four riders, there's four superbike riders on the safety commission. Jonathan Ray, Eugene Laverty, Leon Camier and Charles Davis. Three of them didn't race on Saturday. One of them did. That was obviously Jonathan Ray. Obviously, there's no set rule that there needs to be a majority or anything like that. But as so the people have been saying on Twitter across the weekend, what's the point of having a safety commission if they can't make a sort of unanimous vote anyway? Well, that's, I would say, none. That's what I'd say. I would agree with the people on Twitter. You know, if you're not going to stand together and you've, you've got a, a kind of agreement to stand with the majority of that safety commission or the people on the grid 
that, that's putting the sort of neck on the line on a race bike, well, there is no point. I say it again, you, the FAM should be doing this work and they should consult with riders, and I know they do, and they use X-riders as uh, circuit inspectors. You know, they're the best-placed people to recommend mm. what is safe and what isn't safe. I am sure that a Manx Norton going around a, a bumpy, cobbled track with rib tyres on, if you slid off that, you, even though you didn't wear anything like the same amount of protective wear, you wouldn't slide as far as someday on a super smooth track falling off a bike with six and a half inch wide slicks on. You would be going a lot faster. Therefore, when you hit the deck, you would slide a lot further. And, and so things change. So you must consult with, with the, the most current riders you can. And, and it's the only, for me, the worst thing about it was it's left Superbikes looking a little bit disorganised and that's a bad thing because it, there's some good racing there. Think back to uh, Magna Coa couple of weeks ago what a brilliant meeting that was you know now yeah. we're saying oh they can't get their own house yeah. in order and also the other but the second sort of bad thing for me was the fact that i like to riders getting on you know the, what yeah. i loved about when i my time in racing one of the things i miss is being part of a bond in a paddock mm. it was brilliant mm. and it still exists but i don't like to see people for you know a lot of people say, oh, I don't mind a bit of needle. Well, I don't mind a bit of needle on track, but falling out about stuff like this and having genuine kind of bad feeling with each other, I, I, it's a sad thing for me. We've seen this a few times as well now, haven't we, this year? Incidents on track, incidents with situations like this, family members getting involved, parents on Twitter, wives, girlfriends, whatever, all mixing. It, it just, I don't know, it doesn't really send out a very positive message or a good example to the general public, does it, surely? when there's people who I guess should be role models. To be fair, actually, the riders aren't always the worst, are they, in that no, sort of situation? Not. We saw it, uh, where did we see it? Hereth, we saw our little Jonathan Ray incident. And, hey, I mean, it's all sport. And, and, and yeah. you know, you might say it's only sport, but it's important to the people who are involved in it, you know, and they're, they're passionate about it. You, I know people who love a bit of uh, kind of, you know, shenaniganry yeah. and a bit of bad yeah, feeling yeah. in the paddock and but not me I, you know i i love my racing and i know all my mates were bike racers and and most of my friends these days are still in the bike race paddock and, and i i respect people who can do what we watch every weekend and what we talk about so it's a bit of a sad thing for me that said um you know I, i'm i'm sure they'll get over it could it be dangerous though when you've got people who at the moment I guess don't really respect each other very much certain individuals or certain parties groups in the paddock whatever you want to call it could that lead to a bit of danger on the track you know if that respect nah. isn't there or is that a different kind of respect that's a different kind of respect on track doing what they do on bikes going as fast as you can on a fast motorbike with other people inches away from you yeah. is a dangerous undertaking yeah. right we know that and we even comparing that. bike and car racing there's a big difference isn't correct there? In a car race, you can quite easily nudge somebody, touch somebody, <clears throat> scrape down the side of them, mm. give them a tip into a corner. Not so with bikes. Mm. Absolutely not so. It is impossible on a bike to knock somebody else off their bike without mm. risking falling off yourself. Yeah. You have to have it. Don't matter how much you dislike somebody, yeah. you have to have respect for them on track. And, and for the most part, they do. Do you think enough action is going to be taken, James, now? And by the way, anyone listening, we don't really like to have to talk about this, but this is obviously dominating all the headlines. Unfortunately, it's the same with car racing, F1 in particular. 
these negative situations often attract more attention, don't they, from other members of the media who wouldn't normally cover the championship than the good things. Unfortunately, that seems to be the case in life in general. But, I mean... (laughs) Will there be conversations going on behind the scenes now? Because I mean, how do we know that we're not going to turn up there next year and have the same thing again? It, it just seems in a way that after Imola and this and Qatar last year, it's almost as though they're not really learning from yeah, these things. Well, Im- I know Imola, it's easy for me to say it. but Yeah, Imola was a different situation. The track was deemed safe and it was safe until the rain came. The rain, and then yeah. it, so it was a, a very localised, very temporary problem that meant we had to miss a race at uh, Imola. Totally different scenario at Argentina. They knew they were going to have problems yeah. and didn't address it quick enough. Because it wasn't just the dust, was it? It was the tre- temperature as well. The temperature on the new tarmac, that was the, the biggest problem. And you couldn't avoid going over that hot tarmac that didn't have a lot of grip because offline there was no grip because it was dust. So it was a combination. As far as people, you know, the headlines going to the, the, the sort of daft stuff as opposed to the racing, yeah. that's, all, that's human nature. Yeah. I remember at our school, your school might have been a bit different there, Greg, but I was uh, I went to a proper uh, comprehensive school and if, if a fight occurred after school and it had been talked about at school, that got a bigger crowd than sports day did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you were... Uh, people have always been like that, and I'm, and I'm sure they always will be. For me, bike race, racing has always been a little bit more pure and a little bit more about sportsmanship because they've got to respect each other on track than, than a lot of other sports are. Let's talk quickly about Randy Krummenacker, because there's been an amazing situation there. In fact, let's listen. Listen to this. <laughs> if you haven't heard this yet, this might take you by surprise. Randy, that looked like a, uh, a pretty tough race. Yeah, it was a very tough race. Uh, I'm always straight and very honest, and I don't care about the consequence. It's really obvious that uh, they slow me down. Like, my engine really doesn't go at all. Like, I cannot even stay in slipstream. Who slow you down? Yeah, the, the, the team boss, because obviously they need to, to let win Caricasulo. Because really? I never, yeah, I never, had, I never had such a slow bike. And I, I can't even stay in slipstream off a GMT 94 bike. And I'm really, I'm, I'm off, because uh, they, they have to give me the same than him, and they obviously don't give me the same. It's very clear. So what about Qatar? I don't know, because I don't have a, a better engine uh, than this, so I really don't know. Uh, all I can do uh, is uh, fight, fight like in this race, uh, but it's really hard. It's really, really hard. Well, thanks very much, Randy. Thank you. Now that left you speechless sat next to me in the commentary box. Shaky Byrne and James Hayden were both open mouth back in the Eurosport studio, which we could see on our screen in our commentary box. What on earth happened there? Uh, Randy Krummenacker feels he has been given a slower bike by his team. The amazing thing is the guy he's dicing for the lead of the championship and the actual championship with just one round to go is his teammate. You wouldn't think they'd need team orders. I don't think there has been team orders. He feels he's been given a slower engine. So when he says a slower engine, James, what does that actually mean? What would the engineers physically have to do to make his engine slower than Caracasulo? These are fuel-injected engines with an electronic control unit. You can turn these things down. You can make these things produce as much oil. Well, you can't make them 
produce as much power as you want because that comes down to mechanical parts like cams and, and pistons and compression ratios, the rest of it. But you can certainly turn them down electronically, mm. just like you can make them do only 60 miles an hour in, in the pit lane or yeah. 60 kilometers an hour yeah. in the pit lane. So he is implying, I must say at this point, because I don't know, that his team have kind of dumbed his bike down somehow and it's not as quick as what it should be and he couldn't pass anybody on the straight and yet his teammate could. And I have to say... In that race, I never really noticed that Kumanaka's bike was slower, but I did notice that his teammate seemed to have a fairly sharp one because he made a couple of passes down the straight, but it's difficult with a straight like that on a super sport bike. Maybe that slipstream effect, you know, maybe he has got a fairly sharp bike. They do differ slightly. Uh, but anyway, he's gone He's gone out there and, and blamed his team for giving him a slow bike. Well, what I can say is he's got a round left where he's got to work with that team. I'm assuming he won't be racing for him next year, but he's got to race with him at uh, Qatar and if he didn't have a slow bike in Argentina I'm fairly <laughs> certain he will have I'm fairly certain he will have at Qatar I mean what, what stops uh, yeah I've heard the same that he's, he's out of there at the end of the year I mean Randy Krimenacker is backed by Yamaha Switzerland but pretty much pays for his ride there I reckon he might have signed with MV for next year but we'll find out he's definitely leaving that team anyway what stops the team boss just saying well sorry mate you're not going to Qatar now uh, nothing um, it would not surprise me if he wasn't on their bike at Qatar if they did sack him and he had enough time he's got a couple of weeks he probably has time not to have a bike built but certainly borrow one tweak it put his settings on it and get it out to Qatar that's true because obviously his championship points will still be there where he doesn't have to be with the same team no no, no not at all no you can, you can switch as much time as you want there's a team championship there's a riders championship and there is a manufacturers championship you would think he'd want to be still on a Yamaha knows his business on them but hey listen we're getting ahead of ourselves here yeah, because yeah. you'd think he'd still be riding for the same team in Qatar but whether they are going to be on his side, knowing he's leaving them at the end of the year and knowing that he is kind of calling them behind their backs, it's a bit, bit of a weird situation. At the end of the season, let it all out, Randy. Yeah. Let him have it. Yeah. But like, round to go, mm, might not be the best plan. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Caracasudo is Italian, the team's Italian, sponsors are Italian. Yeah. But... You know, Krimanak has led the championship and had great support, it would appear, all the way through the year so far. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is quite amazing. I've never known someone come out quite so directly like that for a while and just, you know, nah, slag I mean, the team off, basically, in yeah. public. What I would say is um, probably the wrong way to go about it for Randy, but in the heat of the moment, yeah. he's just taking his helmet off. He's yeah. still sweating. He's still angry. And... He probably said something he's going to regret. It's like getting up in the morning when you're in a bit of a bad mood. It's a different thing. When you've raced, the adrenaline is flowing, your blood's up, and if you've had a knock with somebody on track, it's easy. I've gone storming around to people's garages and kicked <clears> off and throwing things about and causing a fight. That's not me. Mm. I'm the least likely person to do that. But in the heat of the moment, it's amazing what you'll do. Better to sort of step back and think, right, what should I be saying? I'm sure if he'd have taken a couple of deep breaths and had a cup of tea <laughs> and thought about it for 10 minutes, he wouldn't have said what he said. But he did. And um, what I would say is it's out of character. I mean, what a lovely fella he is. Yeah. Really conscious. He's very, very Swiss. He's yeah. very Swiss. Yeah. You know, you can just see him sort of, you know, Cutting a bit of cheese off and 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 just going, hmm, yes, hmm. He's just he's just a lovely fella. He ain't got a bad bone in him. But yeah, he's he's gone and said that. Now, of course, that went out on Eurosport. Then it went out on the Eurosport Twitter feed. It's all over social media now. All over social media. Other websites have picked that up, and it's all over the place already. Before he'd even had a chance to probably get back to the to to have a shower and get changed or whatever. It's already out there. The team will know he said that now, of course. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, uh, I mean, it makes it interesting for us. He uh, goes into 
Kata, the last round for the Super Sports, one race, eight points in front of his teammate Caracasulo, and it's all to play for. That could easily go either way. And not only that, with Jules Clazel winning, he he's only 22 points off the lead. So mm-hmm. if them two beat the living daylights out of each other and both go down like they did in France at Magna Cour, you never know. He can win this. He has to win. I mean, Clazel <laughs> yeah. has to win yeah. and something has to happen to the other two, yeah. but it's possible. It's possible. It's World Super Sport. And no one in that paddock in any of the classes deserves a title more than Jules Cluzel, I do believe. I mean, he's finished second, third, if you combine it, second or third, five or six times. He's had so much bad luck, hasn't he, James? 20-time race winner now, Jules Cluzel. The feeling I got from, from Jules and from the team after the round in France is that he sort of succumbed to the pressure a bit that weekend in front of his home crowd. Only finished sixth, didn't he, when the other two had crashed. But this weekend, he was sublime, wasn't he? Brilliant win for Cazelle. And he'd been really, really ill on Thursday. Yeah, um, some kind of man flu type thing on Thursday. Didn't get any sleep the night before. A little bit of jet lag, possibly, Mm. uh, with the long flight out. And then went to bed and just didn't get up. I think 10 or 12 hours in bed. When he did get up um, Thursday afternoon, he was uh, in better shape and performed really well all weekend and culminating in that win on Sunday that was uh, absolutely stunning. I mean, he just he just cleared off. He wasn't going to be beaten. Battle for third in the overall Superbike Championship. Tremendous fight going on there. It's been Lowe's and Vandermark all year long, of course, bragging on as their, of course, bragging rights because Lowe's is leaving the team, Vandermark's staying. And then the guys coming into the team next year is creeping up on them. Top I rack. think top rack. Yep. I think it's like six points now, isn't it? I'm trying yep. to remember. We've only just gone off air. But even so, it's very close. Any one of those three could finish third, fourth or fifth now. Yeah, that's it. The, those places are up for grabs. And for me, it's top rack who has the momentum going mm. now. Rostam got his first couple of wins at uh, Magna Cour, then on the Rostam here. He's, he's, he's on really on form. And he's, he's going to take some stopping. I do feel he's going to take some stopping. Quick last thing before we do go, James. There's a few people saying they reckon, and this is Paddock Insiders and on Twitter, but more people in the Paddock, actually, I'd have to say, former riders and so on. They reckon the Kawasaki is going to suit Alex Lowe's better next year, certainly initially, than the Yamaha will suit Toprak, is that fair? Ah, they're going off the fact that Toprak's quite an aggressive rider, rattles in really hard on the brakes and gets it stopped and gets it fired out the corner by being aggressive on the throttle. That is true. Mm. Maybe that's the way he has to ride that Kawasaki. The Yamaha would appear to be quite a different machine. The way to get the best out of that from what we see and what we're told is you let the brakes off slightly earlier, you settle the bike down, you go into the corner slightly quicker and you roll around the corner slightly quicker. Therefore, you've got more lean angle for longer and you can't get on the gas as hard. But when you can, you can get on it more gently and get the thing driving and carry the speed out the corner. Uh, two different ways of riding a bike. Whether the Yamaha has to be ridden like that or whether you can ride it the top right way, we're going to find out. But it's 21. Hmm. Whatever he needs to do, I am sure he can adapt. Maybe it's going to take him a little bit of time. From Alex's point of view, he's joining the world champ, the five-time world champ, on what is arguably the best bike in the championship. Maybe not the fastest sometimes, but overall, and if you look at it in the round and take the team into consideration, probably the best team and best bike. He's won the championship five times anyway in the hands of Jonathan Ray. And if you're going to have a chance at beating Jonathan Ray, and I think it's going to, going to be a small chance. Why not think you can do it on the bike that he's done it on? It yeah. probably gives you the best chance. So I think Alex will be looking forward to it. I think he will. So to conclude, final question then back to where we started. Do we just have to brush off Argentina 2019 and say, oh, well, it's one of those things that happens sometimes. It happened at MotoGP at Silverstone last year. Happened at uh, BSB Silverstone a few years ago. 
or are there going to be more questions asked you know do some pretty fundamental changes need to be made to avoid a slightly embarrassing situation happening yet again no they have to they have to basically do what they should have done in the first place to the organizers and the fam and it has to be inspected and they have to come up to scratch and if they don't we don't go that's how you avoid that one. Yeah, before uh, you've shipped everything out there and yeah. flown everyone out there and booked hotels and all the rest of it. Correct. Me personally, I hope we definitely run and come back to Argentina because it's a brilliant place. The people are lovely. The position of the circuit is second to none. It's stunning. And the shape of the circuit's brilliant. Just needs a little bit of tweaking, and I hope they do it. Does money overrule it, though, James? I mean, you know, are the organisers thinking, well, we sold the tickets, we've got TV broadcasters around the world wanting to show the race. If we cancel it... You know, what we're going to do then is, is that element of it there? Is there a pressure put on from a commercial side to the safety people? You know, to, we sort of got to run this. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's commercial pressure. You know, most people need to make money and that includes the riders mm. um, at that level. But from a sporting point of view, it's a brilliant circuit. It gave good racing and I want to come back. Who's your money on for Supersport and who's your money on for BSB? That's, of course, coming up this weekend at Brands Hatch. Supersport World Championship, I am going with Caracasulo, but I feel really sorry for Randy Krumanaka. Um, whether he was done badly by his team or not, I don't know, but I don't like to see a man upset, and he was really upset, and he's had a brilliant season, and he's a good bloke. Mm. Uh, but I'll still stick with Caracasulo because I went with him before the season started. If he can't win it, I'd love to see Jules Cazell win it, but I don't think he will. Mm. And British Superbike... You have to go with Scott Redden. He's been to Brands before and caught pretty well on his first visit there. He hasn't made many mistakes this year and I think he's going to take some beating. That said, I think it's going to be mucked about whether this late in the year at Brands, you you, you don't generally get a meeting that's dry the whole weekend. So who knows? We know how good Josh Brooks is in any kind of inclement weather. We've seen him win there before. Uh, even when he isn't in for the championship, he can win races there. So we'll see. And in the same way, there's an outsider in World Supersport with Jorko Zell needing to go to Qatar and win the race and hope the other two have trouble. There's an outsider in BSB and that Tommy Bridewell needs to go there, win three races and hope the other two have trouble. But it ain't over till it's over. It's not over. Uh, that'd be brilliant for Tommy. It'd be a really popular winner because a popular bloke wears his out on his sleeve. Good guy. A bit daft. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. That's why people like him. But that's a massive mountain to climb for him. He's already had a good season as Tommy. James, thanks very much. It's been a Cheers, weird weekend, I think it's fair to say, for Argentina for World Superbikes. We'll be back, though, live on Eurosport 2. British Superbike this weekend. Shaky Show podcast coming up here on the Eurosport website, Spotify and iTunes next Wednesday. Then, of course, just a few days after that, we're back on air for qualifying in race one on the Friday, remember, for Qatar. But first of all now, after a mess in Argentina, it must be said, let's hope that doesn't happen again. All of our attention turns back to the Bennett's British Superbike Championship. It's Reading, Brooks and Bridewell this weekend. We'll see you there. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 